Welcome to the Tell Us Something Podcast. I'm Mark Moss. Tell Us Something is true stories on a theme shared without notes in front of a live audience. Everyone has a story. What's yours? This year, I'll be featuring other podcasts I'm listening to and think you should check out. This week's recommended podcast is Jamie and Travis Present. Jamie and Travis Present knows that it's not just the rivers, mountains, and bike paths that make Missoula a special place. It's the people who live here. If you're interested in getting to know Missoula a little better, Jamie and Travis Present is the podcast for you. Unrehearsed, unedited, and unprepared, Jamie Rogers and Travis Yost invite local luminaries into the kitchen studio each week to discuss everything from community building to raising goats to Missoula's best sushi. Check them out at jamieandtravispresent.com or wherever you get your podcasts. The next Tell Us Something is March 20th and the theme is Right Place, Right Time. We are taking story pitches right now to pitch your story. Call 406-203-4683. You'll have three minutes to give us your information and record your pitch. All right, let's get to this week's story. This episode of the Tell Us Something podcast was recorded live in front of a sold-out crowd on December 12, 2017 at the Wilma in Missoula, Montana. Eight storytellers shared their story on the theme, Getting Away With It. This week's story comes to us from Brian and is titled Downward Spiral. Brian has asked us not to use his last name. A quick warning for some of our more sensitive listeners, Brian's story addresses a war battle in Afghanistan with frank language. Brian shares a story of friendship, tragedy, and the road ahead. Thanks for listening. Life was great when I was 25 years old. I had a wife, three beautiful children. I just earned the coveted Green Beret and was joining the ranks of the US Army Special Forces. It's where I met Josh. Josh was an unstoppable force of nature. Southern California surfer boy, tall, handsome, funny, athletic, good at pretty much anything he did. So pretty much any, you know, everything I'm not. Josh always treated me like his little brother. He's three years younger than I was, but uh, I would say you know, he act, or I felt like he was my big brother, but he treated me like I was his little brother. He was always there for me though. We found out that we'd be deploying to Afghanistan and uh, we were two pretty excited guys. It was both of our first deployment. We couldn't have asked for anything better. Life was great. Everything changed on a dark May night southwest of Kalat, Afghanistan. We were about a month and a half into our first deployment, just getting off of this two-week mission out in the middle of nowhere and uh, speeding down Highway 1 towards Kandahar under blackout conditions, which means no lights, Uh, We're driving under night vision goggles, so the entire world is green. It's pretty surreal. Four gun trucks moving right along, just cruising. Everything's going great, nice, cool night. I was driving the lead truck, and all of a sudden, I saw a bottle rocket go right across the hood of my truck. It's like it was 4th of July. But when that bottle rocket hit the hillside to the right, The hillside exploded. And then I started noticing the ricochets of bullets bouncing off of my gun truck. The training kicked in, we all turned towards the fire, stopped our vehicles and started laying down suppressive fire. I remember having one foot out of the truck 
not knowing what to shoot at because I couldn't see anything, so I'm just shooting at the little dots of light coming from the orchard. It was the muzzle flash from the AK-47s and the Dishka 50, cal, 50 caliber machine guns. As we gained fire superiority, we started to move towards high ground, and that's when the call came over the radio that Juliet 07 was down. Juliet 07 was Josh. He had taken a 50 caliber machine gun bullet through his left armpit, and it came out the right side of his chest. He was the turret gunner on truck number two, and he was up there on the 50 cal, banging away, defending his boys, and uh, body armor really didn't do any good. So we got the call, we moved to high ground, we set up a defensive perimeter, we've already suppressed the fire, Taliban's already started moving away from the, from, from the objective area. That's when our two medics start working on Josh. We pull him out of the truck, they lay him on the ground, and it's my best friend laying on the ground. And uh, I have a job to do. That job's pull security. I gotta face out and make sure that nobody's coming up on our six, nobody's coming up the side of that hill. But I know Josh is right behind me, and I don't think he's gonna make it. Our two medics worked on Josh for upwards of an hour until we finally called, until we finally got a hold of the medevac to finally come out. Unfortunately, he was already dead. Took the medevac bird about 45 minutes to get out to us. It's the longest 45 minutes of my life as we're just sitting there on this hilltop with my dead best friend laying right behind me. They finally pick up Josh, they take him back to Kandahar. We hop back in our trucks and we start beating feet back to Kandahar. It's the longest, quietest, most surreal drive I've ever had. As soon as we got back into Kandahar, we go through the gates of our compound and my guard goes down. I let everything in. And I have to stop the vehicle because I can't see because I'm crying. And we finally make it to our parking area. We get out and I just hit the dirt on my hands and my knees, gravels in my hands, digging into my palms, tears streaming down my face. Once again, I still have a job to do. I'm the communications sergeant, so the radios, that's my job. Gotta make sure the radios are taken care of. So I start taking the radios out of the trucks and I get to Josh's truck and I realize my radios are covered in Josh's blood. Like any good grunt, I carry baby wipes on me. That's how you take a shower out in the field. Um, but I remember trying to clean the radios with my, with my baby wipes, but I'm doing nothing but smearing blood. Within 24 hours, I'm on a C-17 cargo plane with Josh in, in a flag-draped box, flying back to Dover, Delaware. Within 48 hours of being in an ambush, pretty much the biggest well, the first biggest firefight that I've ever been in in my entire life. I'm taking my best friend home to bury him. My team decided that I should take him home as we were best friends and I knew his family. I knew his mom, I knew his fiance. I take him home. The night we bury him, we had an army wake. It's a pretty big celebration. Um, but I was stuck in Afghanistan. I was still on that ambush line. 
I was still getting shot at. I was still looking at Josh laying on the dirt. I ended up making a, a couple bad decisions that night. First of all, I drank and drank and drank and drank. And uh, then I made the really bad decision. I slept with his fiance that night. I returned home to my wife and my kids, lied, omitted. 18 days later, sorry, 18 days after Josh was killed, my youngest son died in a horrible accident of massive head trauma. He was six months old. I didn't know how to deal with that. I was still stuck in Afghanistan. I was still reeling from Josh. So what did I do? I drank. I didn't go back to Afghanistan, obviously. Uh, my team decided it would be best for me to stay home. But staying home wasn't good for me either. My marriage was deteriorating. Uh, within seven months of me being home, my wife ended up having a miscarriage. And then about three months after that, I found out I'm going back to Afghanistan. Yay! I was actually really excited. I just wanted to be back there and do my job. My marriage fell apart while I was in Afghanistan and I came home at the end of that tour to nothing. Had absolutely nothing. Foreclosed house, repoed car, family that was just no longer mine. Didn't know what to do, so I drank and I drank. Once I got out of the army, I escaped. I panicked, I ran, and I walked along the Appalachian Trail for quite some time about six months. I got to the point, I'd walked so long that I realized I wasn't a hiker anymore, but I was homeless. And I didn't want to be that homeless guy. I didn't want to be that homeless vet with a sign on, on a highway exit. So I did the only thing that I knew to do, and that was call mom. So my parents graciously took me in for the next three years, moved to the DC area, and I thought I had my life together, but then I started bartending. Smart, right? So I spent the next three years drinking and drinking and drinking, pushing my kids away, keeping them at arm's length because I didn't feel like I was a good enough person, a good enough man to be their father. The end of that three years, I couldn't do it anymore, so I moved to Colorado. That's where I met my second wife. We had a real big fight one day. I couldn't communicate, and she said, what, what's wrong with you? Why are you this way? Why, why can't you just talk to me? I said, I'm guilty. I realized that I felt guilty. I slept with Josh's fiance, which I felt guilty for, and then I felt like karma or God or whoever it was took my son because of that. And then I was guilty because I pushed my kids away and I let my marriage fall apart and I let myself fall apart and I lost myself. But that talk right there, that, that opened my eyes because it wasn't just about me. My second marriage eventually deteriorated. And uh, at this point, I, I bet you guys are wondering like, what'd this guy get away with? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, when the proverbial shit hits the fan, life doesn't stop. I found that out. Life didn't stop for me, it kept on going. I'm still here. I have my kids in my life. I have a wonderful woman in my life. 
and uh, life. That's, that's what I'm getting away with. Thank you very much. Thanks, Brian. Brian is a former U.S. Army Special Forces Communications Sergeant with two deployments to Afghanistan. He has asked us not to use his photograph or his last name. Thanks to all of our sponsors, Gecko Designs. The creative crew at Gecko Designs makes awesome logos that are off the hook. They build beautiful mobile-friendly websites for both large and small clients in Missoula and around the country. Gecko has been doing it for two and one-tenth decades. That's 21 human years and 336 gecko years. They're also responsible for the shiny new Telesomething website. When you're ready to get serious about your website, put a Liz in your biz. Visit the Gecko Designs team on North Higgins or online at geckodesigns.com. Logjam Presents. Logjam Presents is committed to creating a superior live entertainment experience through world-class production, state-of-the-art venues, and superior guest services. Headquartered in Missoula, Montana, Logjam Presents is an independently and privately owned live entertainment company. Logjampresents.com Cabinetparts.com, the number one source for cabinet hardware since 1997. Anyone searching for the best kitchen cabinet hardware at a great price needs to go to Cabinetparts.com. Cabinetparts.com, in business since 1997, combines knowledgeable hardware specialists with the best online shopping experience nationwide. With fast and easy ordering, free hinge matching service, and same-day shipping, CabinetParts.com is the direct source for all of your cabinet hardware needs. The Good Food Store. Supporting Western Montana farmers and ranchers for almost 50 years, The Good Food Store supports the local folks creating their own beer, salsa, baked goods, ice cream, and more. The Good Food Store is a passionate supporter of Missoula nonprofits, supporting multiple organizations, events, and fundraisers every year. Learn more at goodfoodstore.com. Missoula Broadcasting Company. Locally owned and operating four stations, including The Trail 103.3, Jack FM 105.9, U 104.5 FM and ESPN 102.9. Learn more at MissoulaBroadcasting.com. Enlightened Lab Float Center. Enlightened Lab is a spa featuring sensory deprivation or floating as a wellness therapy. They've also recently expanded to feature a sauna featuring a sun lamp to get you through those dark Montana winters. Unplug, reset, and recharge in their state-of-the-art float tanks. Learn more at EnlightenLab.com. That's E-N-L-Y-T-E-N-L-A-B.com. The Bookstore at the University of Montana, a local bookstore serving the students, faculty, and staff of the University of Montana, as well as the Missoula community. MontanaBookstore.com. Fact and Fiction, where books, authors, ideas, and readers interact. FactandFictionBooks.com. Missoula Federal Credit Union. Find them at MissoulaFCU.org. Thanks to Cash for Junkers, who provided the music for the podcast. Find them at cashfordrunkersmusic.com. If you're interested in sponsoring Tell Us Something, email me at mark at telesomething.org. That's M-A-R-C at telesomething.org. Podcast production by Mark Moss. Thank you to everyone who attends the events, those of you who download the podcasts, and most especially to the storytellers, Lisa Venuti, Brian, Dixie Rayleigh, Christy Hager, Rochelle DeVoe, Victoria Gannon, and Josh Slotnick. Remember, your story matters. If you enjoyed this story, please share it with your friends on your favorite social media sites. Thanks. Check out the website to listen to the story archive and find out how you can tell your own story. 
nextellussomething.org. The next Tell Us Something event is March 20th, 2018, and the theme is Right Place, Right Time. Pitch your story at 406-203-4683. Thanks for listening.